everybody and welcome to the first episode of Bulls on Tap. I am your dude Buzz and I am joined by my new partner in crime, a long time coming partner in crime, Bull Scripted aka Keith Franz. Keith, how you doing my friend? I'm a little hungover, a little, little too much partying, uh, but you know, other than that, life is good. Uh, I'm ready to get this ball rolling on this shindig. Yeah, I'm very excited to be launching this. This is a uh... We talked about doing this for a long time, and it just kind of like never happened. In like the two years that we've been talking, it was like always guest appearances or just texting or direct messaging on Twitter, shooting the shit about certain things. But uh, it's it's nice to finally have a podcast with you called Bulls on Tap. And the best thing about it is I get to do my two favorite things: talk about the Bulls and crack them. So I <laughs> I've been waiting to do that for like an hour during the technical difficulties part of this. So I was very excited about this, but uh. Draft last night. I, you got to tell me how you felt. You were at a party for it. Uh, I was at Doug Tonus' house in his basement with about 30-plus uh, other diehard Bulls fans that kind of just assembled at Doug's to watch the draft. Some people were uh, more thrilled with the Kobe pick than I was myself. I was glad that it wasn't DeAndre Hunter, so that was a step in the right direction. The Bulls did get a point guard wasn't the point guard that I wanted, uh, but I think Kobe White will still fit in a very similar way that Garland will as his three-point shooting will be a major upgrade over Chris Dunn. Right. So, I mean, obviously you had pointed out that you wanted Garland. Just a fun thing I want to hear real quick about this party that you were at was how what was Fred's reaction when Atlanta traded up? Uh, Fred did not get to the draft party until like right as Zion was being drafted, but Fred's response online, apparently he pulled over his car on the highway there, <laughs> threw on his hazards and threw out his let's trade Zach Levine and number seven for number three. No, and he didn't. Smith Jr. from the Knicks. He did. He <laughs> went down that deep, dark road and, uh, luckily he, you know, he came back to the bright side. Uh, but no, it was it was pretty funny because they ended up getting Hunter and Reddish, and I kind of wanted Reddish, and he really wanted Hunter. So I guess we both have to be Hawks fans. Yeah, you know, a lot of people didn't like Cameron Reddish coming into this draft, and I just didn't really understand why. I I think that kid's going to be all right. You know, I really I really truly believe that he's going to be okay. But we're going to talk about our picks, and we're going to talk about Kobe White, the United. You know, from uh, North Carolina, he's Tar Heel. He played a hell of a year last year. You know, he got his team into the, you know, into the tourney. I mean, North Carolina is always in the tourney, but you know, 16 points a game, three and a half boards, 4.1 assists, turned the ball over about three times. An impressive stat is that he, um, his field, his well, I mean, it's not very impressive. Field goal percentage is 42 percent, but his three point percentage was at 35 percent. His strength of schedule was 11.35. So he he played a lot of tough teams last year. So it's good to see that uh, you know, as in John, you know, if John Morant, if you look at that one, his, he he was in the negatives in his strength of schedule. I was never really sold on Ja, but I mean, we'll see what he is, obviously. But I'm excited, you know. He's a six-five guard. He plays very fast, and he, like you said before, he could shoot the rock. Do you have any other 
any other opinions on what you think um, Mr. Kobe White can do with this Bulls team, how he'll look in the starting lineup with the Zach, if he does start right off the bat, but with the Zach Levine and Otto Porter Jr., Lowry Markkinen, and Wendell Carter Jr.? I do think as an off-ball presence, he's an instant upgrade over Chris Dunn, and obviously that's kind of the problem we ran into last year with Chris was he was playing off-ball, and he's not an off-ball player. He needs the ball in his hands. He's not a catch-and-shoot player. Kobe White is an excellent catch-and-shoot player. Uh, he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. Levy averaged over six three-point attempts a game, so when you incorporate that with 35%, um, I think the percentage can be slightly misleading. Volume is a very important thing, considering Chris Dunn attempts under two a game. So Kobe White shoots the ball a lot more frequently. I think he'll be a lot more effective off ball. The Bulls, from all reports, continue to want to run a multiple ball handler system. UNC had the fastest pace in college basketball. Kobe is extremely fast. And Hopefully, you know, the Bulls run an up-tempo style offense, and he'll fit right in. Yeah, that's the hope. I mean, that's the hope. And as I sit back and I think about the potential starting lineup going into next year, every one of these guys can bring the ball up the court. And this is something that I've said since the beginning. You know, Lowry Markkinen, he has the athleticism, he has the ball-handling skills to bring the ball up the court and set up a play. Same goes for Wendell Carter Jr. So our two bigs can do that. Obviously, we know Otto Porter Jr. can do that. Zach did it countless times last year, and now we're going to have Kobe White do it as well. But the difference is, is like you said, he's a threat off the ball. So it's not like Kobe White's going to go stand in a corner and he's going to be left alone. And that's what happened with Dunn a lot last year. I, I will tell you one thing. I am glad we kept Chris Dunn. I don't know how you feel about that. I, I don't know how a lot of Bulls Nation feels about that. But I, I like Chris Dunn. I think he's a good defender. I think he's explosive at the rim. I think he's going to do really good on the second unit if we give him that chance. I have to agree there. I'm a lot higher on Chris Dunn than most people are. I do think he needs to be separated from Zach and played to his strengths and allowed to be a point guard and not an off-ball guard. And I think that opportunity as a sixth man should be there for him, but I am curious to see what happens in free agency. I do think they need to bring... A veteran in still, I think a veteran's going to be more conducive towards winning than Kobe or Dunn immediately to start the season. And that kind of makes me wonder, you know, could the Bulls have shopped Chris Dunn last night? Were they trying to shop Chris Dunn last night? Because there's a couple players that made it into the 20s that would have been really interesting to go ahead and trade in back into the first to steal one of them, being Brandon Clark. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. and Nasir Little all went after pick number 21. And any one of those guys, I think, would have been an awesome extra addition. And if you feel that Kobe White is going to be your point guard, you're probably moving on from Chris Dunn, whether that's at the end of the season where you lose him for free or you find a trade suitor, which I I was kind of flirting with the idea with last night, and unfortunately they didn't find anything. Right. I mean, I remember seeing reports at the end of last year, now correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, that Chris Dunn was almost untradeable for what the Bulls were wanting for him. And, uh, I mean, it just seemed not untradeable in a way where, like, people don't like the guy. Untradeable in a way where, like, he just, people didn't see the value in him. And, uh, or teams didn't see the value in him. So I don't know if they actually did try to shop him or not, but when Nasser Little went 25th last night, I, dude, I almost fell over. I thought, you know, that kid was slated to be a lottery pick before the college season started. If you remember, coming out of high school, he was he was uh, 
slated to be a he lottery was pick. Still number nine on Jay Billis's board too. So he came into the college season as the McDonald's MVP. He won the Jordan Brand MVP. He's an elite athlete. Um, I think Portland got a steal at twenty-five. I couldn't believe that he was still on the board. Yeah, I think Milwaukee got a, or not Milwaukee. I'm sorry, um, Detroit, because Detroit took Kevin Porter Jr. I believe, or Cleveland, or to Cleveland. The Cavs ended up getting Kevin. Porter yeah, Jr. so I mean, and he went at thirty. And, you know, and he was talked about as being a potential lottery pick as well. The draft was kind of weird last night. I mean, the top three went to what I thought it was going to go. I, you know, pretty much figured Zion, John, RJ were going to go, but, you know. Kobe White was rumored to us, and I mean, uh, we did have a Twitter question roll through. I know our Twitter is relatively new, and if people don't follow that yet and are listening to this, this is at Bulls on Tap is our uh, Twitter that Keith and I co-run together. Um, I don't know if um, if the Bulls actually made him the promise. I mean, do you think the Bulls are the team that made him a promise? That was the question that came through for one of our Twitter followers. I don't know that there was a promise involved. The Bulls worked out a lot of prospects, and I think they were weighing all avenues, trying to trade up, potentially being prepared to trade back if somebody at the top of their board wasn't there. I don't think that they made a promise to Kobe, but obviously it appears the Suns clearly didn't make a promise to Kobe because they traded out of sixth and out of drafting a point guard to draft Cameron Johnson 11th overall, and he wasn't even projected in the lottery. So yeah, I, I was scratching my head about that, but I mean, teach their own, right? <laughs> no, I, I mean, hey, whatever the Suns are doing, it isn't working, and it's probably not ever going to work. So I'm not going to lose sleep over what the Suns did, but you know, so the Suns didn't make him a promise, but I don't feel like the Bulls gave him a promise either. I don't, I don't know. I think the Bulls probably would have liked to see Culver still on the board at seven. Um, but, no, I, I don't think there was a promise involved. All right, so, yeah, I, I don't know if Kobe White was the one that got the promise from the Bulls. Um, I'm going to actually say no to that as well because I just think that was like a perfect whirlwind situation where the Bulls probably did like Kobe White, and he just kind of fell to them. A lot of people were surprised that he didn't. You know, a lot of people were surprised DeAndre Hunter went fourth. You know, um, but, again, it is what it is. But, yeah, I don't think the Bulls promised him anything. Um Moving on to our second round pick. Now, this one I'm a little bit more even excited about than Kobe White, and I know it sounds weird because he's our first round pick in the, you know in the lottery and stuff like that. But a a sleeper here is Daniel Gafford. I I'm very excited that the Bulls landed him. He you know he went to Arkansas. Um, he is a he's a center. He is six ten, I believe, six eleven, two 233 pounds. So he's got a body on him already. And he's a freak athlete, freak athlete. He averaged 17 points last year in college, along with 8.7 rebounds shot 66% from the field and, uh, did not attempt any threes. So he needs to work on that jump shot. I already know this, but he needs to work on that J, but he is a defensive-minded kind of guy. Averaged two blocks a game last year. What do you think about the Bulls taking Daniel Gafford at uh, the 38th pick in the draft last night? Uh, well, last year Daniel Gafford was considered a potential lottery talent, and by everything that I read everywhere, this year's draft was supposed to be so much worse than last year's draft, and somehow Daniel Gafford ended up being there at 38. Uh, I think it's a very good pick for the Bulls. 
They needed to add to their big man depth. We know Felicio's probably not going to touch the floor. We don't know if Rolo's coming back. And Gafford gives you that traditional 6'11", nearly 7' foot tall, true big man that's just a rim runner, a rebounder, and a shot blocker. And, you know, obviously it would be nice if he had a three-point shot as well, but he's kind of just going to be your situational big man that you have for when teams go a little bit more old school. Um, so I really like the pick. I think it's definitely a steal at 38, considering, uh, as we stated, he was a potential lottery pick last year, and he went back for his sophomore year. Probably hates his agent, but he's probably also happy to be in Chicago. Do you have any idea why he fell so far from, you know, the ranks for being a lottery pick potentially last year in the 2018 draft to 2019 being a second rounder towards the end. I mean, he played it. I mean, arguably, but he played a better season than he did the year prior. I mean, he not, not arguably he did. <laughs> I mean, he, he really did. The only thing that's really off on his stats here is the strength of schedule for last year. And it's not even by much. His strength of schedule was 8.78 last year. So, I mean, this guy averaged better numbers across the board. I, I just don't I don't know why he fell from graces so so badly. Uh, he had an injury in his freshman year. Okay. Try um, Let me keep reading here. Yeah, because I'm seeing that he played about the same amount. He played 35 games in his, uh, his freshman year, and then he played 32 games last year. So, I mean, it's just kind of a – definitely a fall from grace there. I'll tell you that, to go almost, you know – I mean, well, he went in the second round, pretty high in the second round, but still in all, you know, that's uh, that's crazy. His per 40 minutes, his stats are beautiful. 23.6 points, you know, college stats, obviously. You know, 23.6 points and 12 rebounds a game. Man, average almost 3.8 blocks. That's cool. No, I definitely think the Bulls got a steal back there, and it was another need, you know. They filled the point guard need. And whether they promised Kobe or not, Pax had said prior to the draft that going into draft night, there may be a little more emphasis on need instead of best player available. Um, Maybe they feel that they got both in Kobe White at seven. Uh, After reading his Players Tribune letter about how he's playing for his dad and he lost his dad and his dad actually shared the same name as my father and I lost my dad to cancer. So even though I wasn't happy with the pick and I would have had a different preference in Cam Reddish, I'm I'm really excited for the kid and it's going to be hard not to be an extremely big fan of his going forward. Yeah, I I agree with you 100% on this. Um, I'm excited for him and and like we said before too, I'm I'm thinking, dude, about how the Bulls, like they had a league low last year, uh, 9.13s per game, right? Um, I'm very excited to see how, I mean, I understand we were hurt all last year as well, but I'm, I'm so excited to see him and Levine on the floor together because you have two guards that don't need, I mean, Zach likes to have the ball, but Zach doesn't need the ball to be successful. I think that's just going to be another thing in Zach's game that just keeps growing, um, is him becoming better off the ball as well. And I'm just, I'm just so excited to see this because, um, Kobe White, he set a freshman record at North Carolina with 106 threes last year or this past you know college basketball season you know I mean I do think that he makes this offense a little bit more dynamic and I you know I was watching some film on him yesterday 
after we took him. And I'm excited about the pick. I'm excited what the Bulls did with their first and their second round pick. I think we addressed some needs that we need. We needed a backup big. You know, you, we do have rumors of Taj Gibson, Taj Gibson might be coming back to Chicago. I mean, the Bulls are interested. I don't have a source or anything like that, but something that I've read. So I, I'm going to give the Bulls, if I have to grade it, I'm going to give them an A- minus on, uh, on this draft. And the reason I say A- minus is because I didn't originally want Kobe White, but I am excited about it. Yeah, I'd probably fall somewhere around B, B plus, uh, mainly because of it wasn't my preference. I kind of feel that going best available uh, and staying away from need, especially with next year's draft, being more point guard oriented, uh, similar to this one being wing oriented and last year's being big man oriented. I I was hoping they were just going to go best available, but they did fill a need and it was best, you know, one of two of the best players available. So I guess if you can get your need and best available in a way, you can't really go wrong. So I'm excited. I'm ready for summer league. I'm hoping that part of the reason the Bulls weren't, you know, hungry to go after a wing is that Chandler Hutchison is going to take a step, and that's what they're banking on, and they're confident in that. And Maybe that made it easier to take a point guard. So, I can't wait for summer league. I'm already missing basketball, and um, I'm ready to see the young guys uh, bring home the summer league championship again. Yeah, I'm re- I'm I'm definitely ready for summer league. I can't wait. I just want to see this roster constructed. You know, get some of these young guys in here. You know, summer league's always fun with those young, hungry players. Like you know, much like how we saw Antonio Blakeney the one year um, when he was you know very hungry and playing very well. Um, I have another Twitter question here, but for some reason I don't know why he did not comment on it he direct messaged me it so i'll answer it we'll answer it here um he wants your opinion i don't know why i'm surprised he direct messages me but anyway he wants your opinion do you think derrick rose would be the right point guard to bring in to help mentor kobe white and chris dunn i think derrick is in a very good place mentally now and i do think he could take on a mentorship role but at the end of the day when it comes to a point guard, I think that's going to elevate the play of others around him by being that kind of dominant leader. I don't think there's anybody better than Patrick Beverly out there. I think he just brings that junkyard dog mentality that Boylan loves to preach, and he's going to give you everything in practice. I think he's going to push the point guards on both ends of the floor. Hopefully, could you know even give Dunn some pointers on the defensive end and help Kobe become a legitimate two-way player. Uh, so I don't think that Derek would be a bad option, but I do think that Derek is still going to be best off as a six man, and maybe that's beneficial for a rookie too. Uh, that's where I feel Pat Beverly would probably start. Um, so I think either would be okay. Beverly would be my preference. I think there can be a lot of, I don't know, Derek Rose needs to start coming from Chicago fans, regardless of who earns the spot, and I think that could cause some drama. Yeah, I'd revert back to 2010 and just tell them bring Joe back, get you know Dang back here. Yeah, we wouldn't call up Boozer, but you know get that squad back here if Derek Rose is back. I, I think it would be awesome if Derek Rose came back to the team and and picked up a mentorship role. Um, I do like Patrick Beverly too. He's you know both Chicago kids, both uh, you know. You know, good players probably on you know in the latter half of their careers at this point. I think you could agree with that as well. But something cool about Derrick Rose would be they're teaching a point guard on how to win in Chicago would be awesome. But um, 
like you kind of said, I, I'd like Kobe White with his frame, with him being like 6'5 and kind of lanky. I'd like for him to, you know, learn how to play that tough defense, and I think he gets that better from Pat Bev. So I'd be fine with uh, Derrick Rose. I'd be happy about that, and I'd be happy about Beverly too. I, I, I'll take either one. I, I have no preference on that whatsoever. So that was a good Twitter question. I appreciate that. Um, moving on into probably just our little last topic here. We're going to do a little short debut show. And uh, before we get into our next topic, actually, this will be like a game preview slash review podcast if you no one watched my awkward live video on twitter um keith and i and we might have interchanging guys in here if keith can't do it one night if i can't do it one night much like our other podcast socks on tap does um we might have interchanging personalities within this podcast if one of us are committed to something else where we can't record that night but we will be doing you know after game reactions and then the next day game previews or whatever the next game is that's what we're going to be doing here um so I'm very excited to do that. It's been working well with Socks on Tap, and I'm I think it's gonna be I'm gonna be even more hyped for Bulls on Tap because this is you know this is my bread and butter right here. So moving on into our last topic of the evening, bench play. How do you think Chris Dunn, if he does move to the bench, Chris Dunn, Chandler Hutchinson, and Denzel Valentine look together. I mean, now we have Gafford, who's obviously going to be on the squad here. Um, but how do you think those three look together? Because Denzel's probably the best well, shooter I... out of all of them, but I'm not really sure how they, they look together. I don't know if there'd be enough scoring off of that bench. I think that comes down to whether or not Hutch has improved his jump shot. If that is something that comes to fruition in this offseason then I think that's a very strong unit. I think Dunn and Valentine complement each other very well. Uh, but all three of them, one through three, would have very good on-ball skills. They could run the same multiple ball handler system, uh, at least between the three of them. You know, Valentine and Hutch both have good secondary playmaking skills. Valentine is a great shooter. He's obviously very limited athlete. and uh, But at the same time, the league is about three-point shooting. Denzel's a 38% three-point shooter. And I do think that that second unit could have some pop to it, obviously adding uh, a good veteran at the power forward slot like Marcus Morris, maybe Taj Gibson, as you said. I think getting some veteranship in that lineup would definitely help, but I do think we will have a much improved bench compared to last year. Yeah, you know, I want to see how Denzel comes back after missing a full year. Um, he might not be the best athlete, but this is a conversation. I don't know if you saw it that I was having on Twitter earlier today. I was like, he doesn't need to be the best athlete. He did have, you know, he has decent playmaking capabilities and he could shoot the rock and, and that's it. And then his, I think that his defensive insufficiencies would be, would be hidden playing with Chris Dunn and Chandler Hutchinson on the bench. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think they'd be hidden a little bit more because those guys are above average defenders. Plus, if you have, you know, Gafford in the paint when what he did in college, I'm sure he's going to try to be able to do it in the pros against other benches. He's a good rim protector. So you have that going for you. Um, I think that this team's going to be a lot more well-rounded next year. And before I'm not going to – I'm going to hold off on making predictions. I don't know when the next time that you and I record is because this is kind of like a draft special, a draft recap special and what we're kind of looking at. But to me – I think this team's going to improve. I'm going to hold off until after free agency and we get this roster kind of just set in stone on what I I think the Bulls are going to win next year. So I want to see a, you know, a uh, completely constructed unit. But 
I'm optimistic that this team's going to win more than 24 games next year. I don't know about you, but I am. I don't think that's a question. I don't know how many games over 30 I think they're going to win, but I think uh, over 30 games is an easy prediction to make at this point. Right. So tell Assuming her... health. Assuming health. Well, yeah, we that's get, the biggest thing. If we thing. get screwed out the gate like last year, then obviously things change. But uh, with you know moderate to good health, I do think the Bulls win 30-plus games thought problem. I agree with that. I agree with that. I'm just uh, like I said. I'm gonna hold off on my judgment until I see this this rot because I the only thing they could do is make it better at this point because I'm already optimistic about all the young talent. I think we were the youngest team in the league last year, and uh, I, I I'm just excited because I, I think there's a lot of just very good very good talent on this team. And for people that saying that Zach can't be a number one option, I I really hope he makes that jump this year because averaging like he did almost 25, five and five is, is very hard. <laughs> Even if you're on a bad team. So I'm, I'm very optimistic. Well, tell everybody where to find you, dude, you know, your personal Twitter and everything like that. If they don't already know, which I'm sure they probably already know, but just throw it out there. Uh, no. Yeah. More than likely, if you're listening to this, you already know where to find me, but at Bulls scripted on Twitter, uh, Bulls on Tap, not really running the uh, Believers podcast currently. Maybe that'll get back up and running. But right now, this is going to be the priority for me. So, yeah, find me at, at Bulls Scripted or at Bulls on Tap. Fantastical. You could find me at Buzz on Tap, and you could find our awesome podcast, just like he said, at Bulls on Tap. We are a part of the On Tap Sports Network, which you can follow at On Tap Sports Net, and we're on at, or I'm sorry, we're ontapsportsnet.com. It was a mouthful. ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature needs and the best Bulls podcast you could possibly get because it's me and Keith. And I am going to get Keith to start cracking as many beers as I do during these podcast recordings, and it's going to be a fun time. But that is all the time we have for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back soon. I don't know when, but it'll be soon. Until next time, grab a life by the morning.